Hello everyone, welcome back to another Saturday edition of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Today we are going to be watching an episode from my Spirit of Liberty radio program that I had a few years back and uh, where I talk about the timing of the rapture. So I'm running out of stuff from the old channel that I can share, so I don't know how much longer we're going to have Saturday episodes available, but we still have, I think, a couple more things left. So uh, watch this and hopefully you learn something from it. And I appreciate everybody uh, checking these all out. Make sure you like and share, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll see you all next time. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Liberty broadcast. I'm Pastor Tommy McMurtry from Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls. And I hope you listened to last week's program. Last week, we talked about the rapture. We explained what it was. We went through the main passages of scripture that explain the rapture that the passages that pretty much everyone would agree are about the rapture we started out with first thessalonians chapter 4 everyone across the board would agree that's talking about the rapture when jesus christ comes to take us to heaven we went to first corinthians chapter 15 pretty much everybody agrees that that is about the rapture but then we went to a couple other places too that some would say are not talking about the rapture like Matthew chapter 24, uh, we, we reference that. And then Revelation chapter 1, 7, where it says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye see him. Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time proving that those passages are talking about the rapture, but I am going to explain why they have to deny that those are talking about the rapture. You say, why would somebody deny a scripture that shows Jesus coming in the clouds like 1 Thessalonians 4, a trumpet blast, the voice of the archangel, the gathering of pe up of people, why people would refuse to call, uh, recognize the fact that that is talking about the rapture. Well, it's very simple. It's because in Matthew chapter 24, when it's explaining the rapture, it says it happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. And those three words, after the tribulation, it triggers a lot of people. Because when we talk about the rapture, most people uh, believe in what is called the pre-tribulational rapture. Meaning that the rapture comes before the seven-year tribulation. That the rapture comes, uh, the rapture is imminent, is another word that's used. Meaning it could come at any time. And... People like us who believe that the rapture comes after the tribulation, we always go to Matthew chapter 24 and show, look, it happens after the tribulation. So people have had to, you know, they've had to come up with this idea that that is not talking about the rapture, unless, of course, we're talking about imminency. Okay. And when talking about imminency, that just means it could happen at any moment. It's imminent. Like right now, the rapture could come. But the main verse they use on imminency is in Matthew chapter 24, where it says, No man knoweth the day or the hour. And we'll go, uh, well, if we have time, we'll go and spend some time in Matthew chapter 24. But what I want to do right now when it comes to the timing of the rapture is I want to focus on the pre-tribulation sides, proof texts that they use to explain and to prove that the rapture is going to come before the tribulation. And I'm going to show you that it is extremely weak, and that it is, it is really a doctrine of denial. They have to deny the facts. And when it comes to the level that people will take this to, there's all different levels people will take it to. Some go into full-blown heresy. Some people just ignore and walk away. 
but uh, I do want us to look at their evidence. Let's examine their evidence because last week we examined, when we examined 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15, I already proved that the event pre-tribulation people explained does not even resemble what 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1 Corinthians 15 uh, uh, explain because they teach that we're just going to disappear at any moment. All our clothes are going to fall to the ground. That's not what we see in 1 Corinthians 15. That's not what we see at all. Okay, They just get in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and they see that's just us shooting out of here, but they ignore the fact that, no, it doesn't say we're going to get caught up. It just says we're going to be changed. And then they ignore all the other scriptures where it talks about the physical change that is going to come at the return of Christ. They, they ignore that. There will be a physical change that takes place when Jesus Christ returns. And they have to ignore those passages again because the more rapture passages we look at, the more and more evidence we see that a pre-tribulational rapture is just not the case. So let's go ahead and we're going to go back and we're going to look at some of the scriptures that we looked at last week. And because if any preacher is going to preach a pre-tribulation message, he's going to go to these passages. He's only got a few passages that he is allowed to go to about the rapture. And then he's got to try to pull his proof from these passages. And you're just going to see it's not there. So let's look at one of the main verses. So 1 Thessalonians 4.13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a voice, uh, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And you know that passage. Right there is one of their proof texts. It says, for we which are alive and remain. And that means that the Apostle Paul believed that the rapture could come in his day. And you know what? I can't argue with that. I do believe that Paul believed that the rapture could have come in his day, but that doesn't mean it was a pre-tribulation or that he was proving eminency. I doesn't believe that at all. He was just saying we who are alive and remain because he was among the living at that time and all who are living during that time will be raptured up. I could say that right now too. I believe, and I, I believe it is possible that I will be here till the rapture. And so if I'm explaining to people, if I'm talking to people about their dead loved ones, which is the context of this passage, if I'm talking about their dead loved ones, I'm going to say to them, you know what? I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep that you saw not even as others which have no hope. Because it said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of Christ shall not prevent them which are asleep. We're not going to go before them. We're not going up before they do. When Jesus Christ returns, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we which are alive and remain, should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I would preach this the exact same way that the Apostle Paul did. I'm using that to, but I'm saying we, I'm using that to explain to the living that those loved ones of theirs who are dead, that we are going to be reunited with them one of these days in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
Now, let me ask you, how does that prove a pre-tribulation rapture? I'll tell you why, because they're not looking to this passage to learn what God is trying to teach or what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach. They're looking into this passage to find something that they want to find, and that is their way out before the tribulation. That's what they're trying to find. So they will use, and so we, folks, read that passage and be honest with yourself. That doesn't prove a pre-tribulation rapture. Then they will also go to verse 18, where it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And they'll say the rapture is about comfort. How are we going to comfort people if they got to go through tribulation? Well, Paul was not comforting them with the fact that they would not have to go through tribulation. He was comforting them with the fact that they will see their loved ones again. So right there, again, context, it proves these people are ignoring the entire passage and zeroing in and getting what they want from it. The comfort is not that we will avoid tribulation. The comfort is that we will see our loved ones again. And they needed that kind of comfort. You know why? Because they were in tribulation during that time. Not the great tribulation, but they were in tribulation. Paul was not comforting them that they wouldn't go through any persecution. The apostle Paul said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So he didn't comfort them with the fact that they're not going to endure tribulation. That is what people who are just trying to pull from the scriptures, what they want, use. So zero proof text, zero proof, zero evidence in 1 Thessalonians 4 for pre-tribulation rapture. You say, well, there's zero evidence for a post-tribulation rapture too. Okay, yeah. There's no evidence for a post-tribulation rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4 because of the fact he's not talking about the timing of the rapture. He's talking about seeing their loved ones again. That's something that's going to happen at the return of Christ. So, yeah, you got me. No, no proof for a post-tribulation rapture in 1 Thessalonians 4. I agree, but none for a pre-tribulation rapture. But now let's read chapter 5. And, then, and let's see what they do with 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Jesus coming as a thief in the night. That's proof of eminency. He's going to come when we least expect it. What I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. Yeah, we were told to watch. You know, even though that's not supposed to be talking about the rapture, and they go back and forth. But Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. They made a whole movie about that in the 70s called Thief in the Night. Thief in the Night. There's many songs that talk about the return of Christ and talk about how he's going to be coming as a thief in the night. So the thief in the night, that is proof of imminency to these people. But notice what it says again. Does it say the rapture will come as a thief in the night? But it says the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. Let's read a little more. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren, brethren, say people, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So wait, when they're saying thief in the night, they're saying he's coming on us as a thief in the night. But he says here, he's not coming on us as a thief in the night. It says, ye are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, 
they that are drunken are drunk in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. We're not scared of tribulation. We're not scared of difficulty coming. Why? We have the hope Jesus Christ is coming back one of these days. And it says in verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, I need to spend a little bit of time here because this is another proof text for them that we are going to be out of here before the tribulation because they say we are not appointed under wrath and the charts all agree that they came up with that all of the tribulation is the wrath of God. Now, they can't prove that to you with the scriptures. They cannot prove that at all, but let me prove to you when the wrath of God starts. Now, let's pay very close attention to two things that are mentioned here in 1 Thessalonians 5 that they use as proof of imminency and a pre-tribulation rapture. For the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. That is proof of imminency to them. Verse 9, for we have not been appointed unto wrath. That proves we're out of here for all the tribulation. We can't be here for one second of the tribulation. Why? Because we've not been appointed unto wrath. They have decided that the tribulation, all of it, is the wrath of God. But let's go to Matthew chapter 24, okay? Because this is this is very important that we mention that we notice this, because a verse that's often mentioned in the Bible is that the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come, or before that great and notable day of the Lord come. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the day of the Lord. Y'all get that? That's very clear in the scriptures. That is going to happen before the day of the Lord. The sun be in darkness and moon turn to blood. That is an event that pre-trivers have to ignore because it is explicitly laid out multiple times that that comes before the day of the Lord. So notice the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, but before the day of the Lord is the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood. So pre-trivers, when they're in 1 Thessalonians 5, the day of the Lord is about the rapture, and I agree. Okay, But then... When we are in Matthew 24, all of a sudden, the day of the Lord is not about the rapture. It's a completely different event. But let's look at verse 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. This is that event of the sun being darkened. This, and it happens after the tribulation. So, According to the Bible, we're going to have the tribulation. After the tribulation, we're going to have the sun darkened and moon turned to blood. And after the sun is darkened and moon is turned to blood, then the day of the Lord comes. There is no denying that. There is no disputing that. That is an indisputable fact that the day of the Lord comes after the sun is darkened and moon turned to blood. It's in, that's indisputable. So here what we're seeing take place in Matthew chapter 24, it is before the day of the Lord and it is after the tribulation. We have the sun being darkened and the moon turned into blood. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 saying, for the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, that's talking about something that happens after the tribulation. 
There, there is no denying that at all. And you say, well, we still have to be out here before any of it because all the tribulation is the wrath of God. Well, can you please show me that in the scripture? Now, I can show you in 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says, for we have not been appointed unto wrath. Okay? And that is something that is in reference with the day of the Lord. Because when the day of the Lord comes, that's when we are taken out and God begins to pour his wrath out on this earth. Indisputable fact. And in Revelation chapter 6, it is going through the six seals. And when it gets to the sixth seal in verse number uh, 12, it says, And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there's a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. So is this event after the tribulation? Yes, it is. Is it before the day of the Lord? Yes, it is. And it says, and the stars fell, fell onto the earth, even as a fig tree cast their untimely figs, when she has shaken up a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll, and it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Okay, notice that question. Now, some people say, well, everything in Revelation 6 was the wrath of God. But wait, no, it's saying the great day of his wrath has come. They are saying this after they've seen Jesus. After they've seen him, they're saying the great day of his wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand, implying who's going to be able to stand against what is about to come? Okay, so they're referring to something that is beginning to happen, and it begins to happen when they see Jesus. Why? Because Revelation 1, 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. That's what we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 6. And it's after the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood, because that's when the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord comes after the tribulation, after the sun is darkened and the moon is turned to blood indisputable fact that's when the wrath of god starts so when first thessalonians 5 in verse 2 it's talking about the day of the lord which happens after the tribulation it's talking about how we've not been appointed under wrath also why because that's what comes on the day of the lord when the day of the lord comes we get raptured out and then god begins to pour out his wrath on the earth and there there's just there's no way around that that's literally all they've got. First Corinthians chapter 15. There's nothing in there that gives any indication of the timing of the rapture. You say, well, it doesn't prove a post-trib rapture. I'll agree. You can't prove a post-trib rapture from 1 Corinthians 15, but you also can't prove a pre-tribulation rapture from 1 Corinthians 15. You can't do it. So what we have to do, you know, we have to go to the clear scriptures that actually talk about these things. So Matthew chapter 24 you know, it lays it out just as clear as anything could possibly lay it out, but people have to ignore it. They have to ignore it because they are married to this concept of a pre-tribulation rapture. They're married to this concept that, you know, we cannot be here for one second of God's wrath. And I agree. I agree, but let's go ahead and read a little more and show just how consistent Matthew 24 is with all the other passages in the Bible about the rapture. So, it says in verse 31, it says, And he shall send 
his, uh, well, let's read re 30. It says, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He's coming in the clouds, like in first Thessalonians four, not on a white horse, like in revelation 17. That's what they try to do. They try to say, well, this is revelation 17. This is Armageddon wrong. He, when he comes in the clouds, that is to receive his saints. When he comes on the white horse, that is at, that is at Armageddon. That's a different event. And it says, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. That looks like a catching away right there. It looks like a gathering together. As is spoken about in uh, 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And he says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise, and we shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Okay, now, crazy, I mean, as strange as this may sound, what many people teach about the budding of the fig tree is that this was Israel becoming a nation in 1948. Now, that is just beyond foolish right there because... It doesn't talk anywhere in here about Israel becoming a nation again, but it does talk about the sun being darkened and the moon turned to blood. It does talk about that, which is a very notable event mentioned over and over again in the Old Testament. It's talking about that. When we see that, when we're seeing the tribulation take place, when we're seeing the famines and earthquakes and pestilence in diverse places, and we see the sun darkened, moon turned to blood, we know then that it is at the door. And it says in verse 34, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And they say that's talking about the generation that saw Israel become a nation in 1948. That is beyond insane. That's not even close. And it says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Now, I agree. This is talking about the rapture. And they agree it's talking about the rapture until you show them this happens after the tribulation. Then they try to change the subject. But no man knoweth the day or the hour is in fact a reference to the rapture. The pre-tribbers have qu quoted this accurately for years. They just ignored the fact that this event takes place after the sun is dark and moon is turned to blood after the tribulation. They've ignored that. Then let, look what it says. Verse 37 but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And I never read it, but apparently somebody wrote a book about out there about the days of Noah or talked about how wicked it was in the earth and talked about Nephilim and all this weird stuff. And, and they're explaining how all these things are going on right now. And that's proof that the rapture is about to come. Because as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, we're seeing all this stuff being promoted with homosexuality, just like it was in the days of Lot, meaning the rapture could come at any moment. Wrong wrong what does it mean when it says as in the days of noah what does it mean when it says as in the days of lot it has a meaning okay and you find that you go to the context to find the meaning you don't just get to make up your own thing and insert your own facts we're not allowed to do that and it says for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating drinking marrying giving a marriage until the day that noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall it also be in the coming of the son, or so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be.
Then shall two be in the field, one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Now, in Luke's account of the Olivet Discord, he also brings up the days of Lot. And what Luke says in there that makes it even more clear than Matthew chapter 24 is it says the same day that Lot was taken out, fire and brimstone fell. When the So when Jesus said, as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot, what that means, all that means is the same day that we get taken out, the same day we're protected, just like the same day Noah was in the ark, the same day Lot was pulled from Sodom and Gomorrah on that same day the wrath of God will begin to fall that's what that means and is that not consistent with what we see in 1 Thessalonians 5 the day of the Lord it's not coming on us as a thief it's something we're going to see coming but it also is not dangerous for us it's redemption for us it's sal it's salvation we're being saved uh, from what's about to come on this earth we're going to be protected from the wrath of God because the day we get taken out is the day that Christ begins to pour out his wrath on the earth. And isn't that also what we see in Revelation chapter 6? We see the sun darken. We see the moon turn to blood. We see the tribes of the earth mourning. We see them saying, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? Who's going to be able to handle what is about to come? And the answer is, they're not going to be able to handle what's about to come. There's, there's, there's no chance because his wrath is going to be poured out. Why? Because he has just taken us out of heaven. So again, the consistency of a post-tribulation rapture is perfect. I mean, there, there are no inconsistencies. There's just, you know, people on the other side who build straw man arguments and just don't know how to read plain and simple English. That are missing these things. Let's look at Revelation chapter 7. Right after the sixth seal or the seven seals in Revelation chapter 7, it says uh, in verse 13. Let's start, we'll start at verse um, 9. I'm sorry, verse 9. Revelation 7 and verse 9. It says, And after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. What's going on here? Well, in chapter six, we are seeing the return of Christ from earth's perspective and from lost man's perspective. In chapter seven, we're seeing it from heaven's perspective. And interestingly enough, around the throne appears a multitude from all over the earth. Now, what event, what could this be? What, what just happened here where a multitude of people from all over the world just appeared before the throne and singing praises to God? And it says in verse uh, third, or 12, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. 
and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. What are we... What is this multi? These are those who were raptured. We got pulled out of the tribulation. That's what happened. We were under, we're going to be under a heavy persecution during that time. The Antichrist is going to be prevailing over the saints, physically speaking. But those days are going to be cut short. Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to return and he is going to pull us out of this earth and we are going to appear before the throne and he is going to comfort us. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He's going to wipe away tears from our eyes. And Isaiah had prophesied of that day when he was going to wipe away tears from all faces. He said also, it also said in Isaiah that then uh, in that day, death is going to be swallowed up in victory. And I, I, I don't remember the chapter off the top of my head, but in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 42. I could be wrong. It mentions how death is going to be swallowed up in victory. He's going to wipe away tears from off all faces. We see in Revelation 7, 4, uh, chapter 7, we see tears being wiped from all faces. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 54, it says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, everyone agrees that's a rapture, then shall be brought to pass the saying, pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Right there, we see that when when the rapture comes, that's when that's brought to pass. Death is swallowed up in victory. According to Isaiah, that is when God wipes away tears from all false faces. Just like in Revelation chapter 7, when this multitude from all over the world appears before the throne, he's going to wipe away tears from all faces. He's going to comfort us. We're going to forever be with the Lord. Folks, the rapture... The teaching on the rapture, the post-tribulation rapture, is the only consistent teaching on the rapture. It's the only it's the only accurate teaching. And it's high time people just accept the Bible for what it says. And the Bible is very clear about the timing of the rapture. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know that it's after the tribulation. We know it's a post-tribulation rapture. So I hope this was a help uh, to you. If you have any questions, email me, let me know, and we'll cover more of this next Sunday. God bless. Thank you for watching.